What is going on, everyone? Welcome to episode three of the Big Fly Pod with your co-host, Christian Myers, and myself, Ty Lewin. We are recording here just after game five, where the Strohs have taken a three to two lead in the series and now head back to Houston for game six on Saturday and potentially game seven on Sunday. Christian, your live reaction to game five there. What a game. And I don't think we can continue with the pod before we give a congratulations to Justin Verlander, finally getting the World Series win, the first one of his career, after it's been the talk of the week about how he's performed so well until this moment, the World Series, where he struggled, finally came out tonight, threw five strong to keep a lead for his team when he came out of the ball game. And he got that win that he's been searching for for the last 17 years in the World Series. So kudos to him for that. And kudos to the Astros for getting a win and taking a 3-2 lead back home. Yeah, you know, looking at Game 3 and Game 4, obviously two just completely different ball games and just flip-flopping, obviously with the no-hitter. We'll talk about that here in a little bit. But looking at Game 5, that is something that a lot of my buddies and I have been talking about is we really want to see what you know a, a strong outing from both sides would look like, like we saw in Game 1 with such a thriller, and we got that tonight, thankfully, for Game 5. And, and starting off right away with Pena getting that single up the middle, Phillies bring the infield in right away. Uh, go up one nothing, then Schwarbaum to tie the ball game up there in the bottom of the first. Then just neck and neck the entire game, and you just felt like the Strohs had a lot of chances to really put the Phillies away. But that gritty attitude by the Phillies almost let, uh, allowed them to take Game Five there with multiple chances uh, towards the end of the game. You know, shout out one of my favorite players not having the offensive performance that he would prefer but that defensive play that he that Mancini had made over at first base there on Schwarber's missile of a ground ball on that one hopper to end the inning that potentially if that ball is a few inches up you know to the left or right is potentially being kicked and we got two runs scoring and Phillies uh, you know, take the lead and potentially win game five there. And it's just an amazing moment. And that's why baseball is just so romantic is those types of moments happen to some of the best people in the game of baseball. So shout out to Mancini there and shout out to, you know, Chaz McCormick there in center with one of the most unbelievable plays. Um, while it was a sick play, really disappointed because our bet today had Real Muto with a double there at plus 475 and McCormick obviously did not make that bet prior to the game made just that unbelievable play in center field to take a potential triple uh, away from Real Muto with that middle of the lineup coming up there for the Phillies I mean just neck and neck the entire way bullpens were unbelievable from both sides and man now we had a game six in Houston on Saturday and it's gonna be absolutely insane in Houston and with another great pitching matchup with Wheeler and Valdez but let's take a quick look at games three and four there game three five homers from the Phillies win seven nothing absolutely dominate McCullers a lot of rumors going around on social media of of him tipping his pitches with his leg kick based on the fact of how high he was raising his leg kick, whether to determine it was going to be a fastball or off-speed pitch. 
you saw the video of Harper talking to Bohm, calling him over before his at bat. He ended up hitting a laser uh, homer off of McCullers that following inning over the left field wall. And so obviously something was picked up there that they saw. And so interested to see if they get to see McCullers again here, maybe in game seven. Then you move on to game four there with Christian Javier having obviously an all-time performance. You almost wish that he got to go in the entire game. I felt like Baker made the right move pulling him out to allow for the bullpen to get some uh to take it over there at the end and give Baker the chance to bring in Javier potentially for game six or game seven in a bullpen role there. But obviously an incredible moment from the Astros with throwing in a complete game or a complete game, no hitter uh, with including their bullpen arms. And it just felt like that the Phillies really just didn't have it there uh, in game four whatsoever. And so now looking back at our original predictions, um, now, Christian, I think you do have to own up here. I'm sorry, I got to call you out, but you did have Game Five being the end of the series with Houston winning in Game Five, uh, with Guriel being the MVP along with the most hits by Guriel. Guriel still has that opportunity to win that MVP award along with the most hits. But uh, just your thoughts there on your uh, predictions? Yeah, my pre-series predictions have not really gone the way I would have liked to um, before tonight. I didn't get a single game right, so finally got that one tonight. Um, my Guriel pick still hanging on by a thread. Like you said, he's not too far behind on the hits. He's got six to Pena's eight. So if he could string together a couple here in game six, maybe string to- together a couple in a potential game seven, that would be awesome to hit that bet. And then I could go one for three on my World Series picks. But uh, one for three is a 333 average. And if you're a career 333, you're a Hall of Famer. So I would take my one for three if it came down to it. <laughs> Baseball guy. Baseball guy. Um, then looking at my side of my predictions, uh, every game has been flipped. Uh, I had Houston winning game one. Obviously, Philly won that. And then game two with Philly winning, that got flip-flopped. Then game three, I had Houston winning. Philly won that. Game four, Philly I had winning. Then Houston won. Game five, I had Philly winning. Then Houston won. So now, my original predictions of game six with Houston, game seven with Philly winning it all. I now have to go with game six and game seven falling under Philly. Um, I did have the MVP being Harper. That's likely, it's going to be tough for him to pull that out here at this point. He would have to really have an amazing game six and seven here to win the award. Uh, But I did have most hits with Pena along with most total bases with Pena. Currently, he leads with eight hits. Uh, throughout all the hitters with being at eight with Altuve behind him at seven and Guriel, as Christian mentioned, with six. Then looking at total bases, him leading at 13 with Tucker right behind him with 11 uh, and Bohm and Bregman and Schwarber at 10. And then I had the most home runs for Hoskins. Currently with one homer here in the series, the top there being Schwarber and Tucker with two. So still an opportunity there for hopefully me to be right. Um, then now looking predictions for game six and game seven. So currently what we're seeing is, is that we have Wheeler versus Valdez, the game two matchup now being game six here in Houston, looking at the original numbers, obviously Valdez with 
a much better performance. Wheeler was not his normal playoff self that we've seen here through the series so far. Just reviewing the stat line really quick, Valdez with the win there in game two, six and a third, four hits, one earned with three walks to nine Ks, just an outstanding performance. Uh, And then Wheeler with the loss at five innings pitch, six hits, four earned, Three walks, three strikeouts, a non-familiar stat line for that guy, uh, specifically here in the playoffs so far. So, Christian, right now, what are you predicting here for Game 6? Any wild predictions you have? And are we going to see a Game 7 here on Sunday? Well, I think Game 6 is, like the rest of these games have been, going to be a total toss-up. I think the extra rest day for both Wheeler and Valdez could be very, very beneficial. And one of the things that we really need to factor in here, uh, Valdez as of late, meaning all-star break and beyond has been turning out nothing but impressive performances. And that continued after the regular season into the postseason. And we watched him in game two go out and absolutely dominate a Phillies lineup that had been very hot all the way up until that point. Like you said, Ty Wheeler, a little bit of a down outing there in game two for him. But I think coming tomorrow off that extra day of rest, like I mentioned, I think that that could be one of the things that plays really big for him as well. He's going to have the adrenaline pumping, being in a must win game in a hostile environment, which, you know, could go either way. It could play in his favor and he could have a little bit of extra juice. It could also cause him to have a little bit too much juice and leave everything over the heart of the plate, which as we've seen the Astros will take advantage of. So I think it's going to be a toss up. I'm going to go ahead and take the Astros in six and give them one extra game than I originally predicted. Um, But I'm really excited to see what comes out of both of these arms on Saturday night. Yeah, and then you you look at both uh, from the from the bullpen's perspective, and as we spoke about it right in our first uh, episode, looking at the entire series here, both bullpens, in my opinion, have really showed out, and the starters have actually been the ones that have really put their put their teams in difficult situations. Now, with the with the rest day tomorrow, I do see Presley and Abreu available from the Stroh's bullpen side of things here, available for Game Six, which is incredibly huge. And obviously, Baker using them, uh, you know, in a very uh, particular manner here in this game to make sure that hey, we got to win this game, and let's try and have them available for Game Six to finish it out there in Houston. Uh, and the Phillies, you know, they still have a couple of their arms. You know, not necessarily they didn't blow any arms out here. Uh, particularly here today, um, but it's going to be, I mean, they're going to have to use the exact same arms that the Strohs have seen for multiple games here. And while, while on the stat sheet, if I'm looking at things, I'm go, I would, I would likely predict the Strohs here in game six, but my heart and my original prediction was saying Philly would win it in seven. I'm still going to roll with that. And, and here's why I, I think that now with, them facing Valdez here in game six. Valdez had nine Ks against the Phillies. A non, 
with with that particular lineup and how that game went in game two, I felt like the Phillies weren't really necessarily putting together great at bats. They came off that wild thriller of a game, game one, the night before, and having a role in the game two in that Houston crowd was probably very tough. And I think that day of rest tomorrow is going to be great for them to go back to Houston and now seeing the Valdez in the same ballpark that he was in before and having familiarity with that I don't see him dying here and and I do truly see that they have a a legitimate chance to win game six here and I think from the Phillies side when you look at Wheeler a non just a non-familiar game from the Phillies perspective of what Wheeler did there in game two obviously only five innings work but not necessarily a Wheeler like playoff performance that he's had here in the in the last few weeks. I think Wheeler truly steps up here. I think his velo is at an all time high. I think he's absolutely going to get after these uh, Astros hitters that are probably thinking that they're going to be able to take away Game Six here. And I think that Philly pulls it out. We go to a Game Seven, and I think it's going to be a thriller. And of course, like I mentioned earlier, I know it's biased because I'm a Cub fan, but I look back to that Game Seven that we had in 2016 between the Indians and Cubs and. The Amount of bull, amount of arms that were used in the most ridiculous situations and and all the different special moments that happened with that game. I I truly do see that happening here in Game Seven, and I'm having Philly win it all. And man, that party in Philly, I I, I couldn't even imagine what that's going to look like um, going uh, in Philly after if they potentially win. Now rolling back to original conversation we had regarding the young players obviously Pena's stepping up here but you know your Christian wanted to hear your thoughts you know how is how do you feel like Bohm and Stott are performing here so far in the playoffs with all of those expectations that they had in, in reference to their perfor- their potential performance right well we talked about it a little bit on our, the first episode of the pod that that young group that the Phillies have on that left side of the infield with Stott and Bohm was going to be a major factor in this World Series as far as given the energy goes. Uh, I think everybody has done well, um, meaning all the all three of the young guys that we talked about. Pena, obviously, is continuing to have this postseason to remember for any rookie, and when you – come in and fill the shoes of basically the guy that the Astros built this entire team around the last few years, Carlos Correa, when he left to go up to the twins and they brought the rookie in, that's a very high pressure spot to be in. And he's shown that he can handle that really well throughout the postseason. And then on the flip side with the Phillies, uh, I think Bohm's been playing really well. He's been having a lot of timely hits that have been sparking that lineup um, and defensively, when you look at how he's been playing, he's he's done really well on that side of the ball as well and been making really good plays with the glove throughout. Um, as for Stott, the stat line is a little bit misleading. He's O for the World Series, but he's putting together some tremendous at-bats. Notably, the one that I think about is in the first game against Verlander, he worked a 12 or 13 pitch at bat and drew a walk. And he's been finding ways to get on base by having those selective at bats. And uh, what you really need from a guy out of the bottom of the order is somebody who can do that, who can draw out more pitches, get on base and get in scoring position to try and make something happen for the top of the lineup. 
Um, and with Segura being behind him as well, he's been stringing together a couple hits too. So if Stott can get on and keep walking and let Segura and Marsh do some work behind him to turn it over back to Schwarber, I think if you go to game six and game seven, that could be what ultimately wins those games. So I think that the young guys have been playing exactly as we expected them to throughout this World Series. Yeah, Bohm and Stott on the left side of that infield there for the Phillies is, is, has been a pleasure to watch. You know, you think about that double play tonight by Bohm, um, and I, I'm drawing a blank here on the hitter that, that uh, was up. I believe it was Altuve where he hit that ground ball to the left side. Bohm taps a bag. While running to his uh, to his run side, where he had to make a throw across his body uh, and get Altuve at first base, who necessarily isn't the slowest guy either. I, he, these guys are just playing at a level that is really exciting because a lot of people saw this series potentially going four or five with Houston. It, it, let's not let's not you know dismay that, but. I look at those two guys and what they've done on the left side of the infield and how easy they've made some of these plays look. I really condemn them for what they're doing there uh, because the matchup on the other side with Bregman and, and Pena, you expected them to do that. These guys have really, really stepped up. And, and, and along with the entire team from the defensive side for for the Phillies, guys like Castellanos and, and whatnot. Now, my wild prediction, who I just mentioned, I, I see with Castellanos – and I want to hear your wild prediction as well, Christian, if you, if you do have one. I personally have seen very, very good at-bats from Cassianos. And I know he swings – he's going to swing at some of those pitches that kind of give you a, a Javier Baez-like vibe. But it seems like tonight he's – like tonight specifically with that 11-pitch at-bat he had against Verlander and that, and that really tough A-B he had against Presley there at the end. I truly see that he can step up here in game six or game seven. I'm going to say a wild prediction of him hitting uh, a homer, at least in game six or game seven. It may not sound wild to some people, but I don't, I, tell me the last time Cassianos hit a homer in, in the playoffs. Um, but I, I do see him stepping up here in game six and game seven. I see a wild prediction there, along with a guy like Brandon Marsh. I, he looked very... Um, he looked like he was trying to step up too much at the moment in tonight's game. And I think that with being in Houston, with being not obviously with that energy being as high in reference to hoping that he is able to do something, I think he's going to be able to settle himself down a little bit and have a big game six or seven. So watch out for Brandon Marsh and Castellanos here in game six, game seven. Uh, Christian, any wild predictions on your side? Yeah, I've got one. I think that, Mancini is if he's back in the lineup, which I hope that he is. Give me that. I think he's going to come out firing in Game Six and finally break out of this slump. I know on our last episode we talked a little bit about how you don't really have time to let guys break out of the slump in the World Series, but as you touched on before in the pod in this episode, that play that he made at first base tonight was huge and could very well be a game saver um, for the Astros. And so like everything is in baseball with that trickle down effect, I think once something good happens for you, everything else could fall into place. So I think he's going to build off of that play and off of that emotion that we saw to him in the dugout when he got back in after making the play and ending the inning. Um, I think that he could come out in game six and really turn it on and come up with, a big hit for them early in the game. Yeah, I, I love that take. 
it would really be special to see him step up. I, again, I, I want the Phillies to win here in seven, but man, to watch Mancini potentially have a big breakout game six, game seven for his team would be pretty special with his story. Um, and so now let's move on to a new kind of segment we're trying to do here. And it might change, of course, here in the off offseason uh, with, with obviously no games going on, but potentially free agent predictions, what the teams are going to do moving into 2023 season. Uh, we got some actually some great questions. Uh, one guy in particular was the one who really uh, provided these for us, Nick Surick. Shout out my boy. Uh, he was uh, one of the best 12-6 curveballs I've ever seen in reference to any of the teammates I've played with. He dropped a couple questions for us as he was uh, pretty interested in hearing our thoughts on it. So, uh, Christian, I want to ask you the first one here. In your opinion, what do the Phillies need to change with their offense, offense approach going here into game six? Um, that's a great question. And it's kind of hard to say because up until these last couple games, they've been so hot at the plate. And I think that this rest day and the travel day is really going to be helpful for them because one of the things you've got to remember is they've been going a lot longer than Houston has since they had to play in that wild card round, um, before moving on into the divisional round and, continuing this run so I guess to answer that question what I would say is that they just need to take a step back and kind of reevaluate their approaches at the plate um, and just figure out what clicked for them early in the postseason and especially early in this World Series and just get back to that um, and move from there but Ty with you being more of the hitting guy on this pod. I think you might be better equipped to discuss that than I will as the pitching guy. From my perspective, first off, the stats are going to say a lot here. In, in looking at games three, four, and five, they've averaged over 10 Ks per game, 11 in game three, 14 in game four with the no hitter, uh, and then 12 here in game five. It's It's hard for me to look at that and say yes, this team is gonna is gonna be successful with their offensive approach, especially against a team like the Astros with their unbelievable bullpen arms. I mean, I'm looking here with the top ten uh, in strikeouts here in the series, and it's a majority of them being from the Philly side, not uh, disregarding Chaz McCormick, Alvarez, and Pena. And so you're really seeing that a lot of these uh, with their offensive approach right now, which. I, I personally thought was going to be a lot different, especially coming with their hitting coach with Kevin Long being such an amazing coach and, and being so respected in the game with his hitting approach that he's brought to so many great organizations. I just feel like it's something that they need to kind of trickle down on, and it's going to be really tough because now you're going to Houston and you have to try and change that approach. Who, who knows that they're actually going to be looking to do that? They may be having some other ways that they're trying to facilitate their offense. But just in my personal opinion, I feel like when you're striking out as much as you are, you're giving your top hitters like Schwarber, Harper, and some of these other guys in the lineup not potentially chances with guys on base. And you saw tonight with the 7th and 8th inning, or specifically the 8th inning, 
uh, here in Game 5 where Schwarber was on with runners in scoring position. He was getting better pitches to hit. And so you're allowing these top guys to then get a, get an opportunity with runners in scoring position versus when a lot of these guys are coming up with nobody on. And if you're, if you're coming up with nobody on and you're trying to get something going, it's a lot tougher. It's a lot better when there's guys on base, you're putting pressure on the pitcher, you're putting pressure on the defense. I know the Strohs have a great defense and they have a good, good bullpen, but you're not going to do – as I always said to my players when I was coaching them, if we're not looking to put the ball in play, why are we on the baseball field, right? So, again, I hope that mindset changes. I know we're in a new era of baseball where it's a three-outcome potentially a three-outcome uh, situation for a team. I just personally see this being as an opportunity for them if they can somehow change that up there with two strikes to make it more of a competitive at bat. Like I saw tonight from a guy like Castellanos, where he forced more and more pitches from these bullpen arms that have been used so much here in this series you're putting yourself in a much better position so let's flip it over now to the other question that was asked which is a great question and i love christian to get your thoughts on this if you have any um and and i'll 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 start which which bullpen arm do you see being the key contributor in game six potentially potentially game seven seven for either squad christian from my perspective i'm looking at a guy like brian abreu uh, from the Strohs. And if he's able to do what he has done here this series and in the postseason so far, I don't see the Phillies having an opportunity to win game six. And that's because of the fact 10 innings pitched, 18 K, zero earned runs. Absolute dude. Dude is throwing uh, absolute cheese with an, with a, just an amazing breaking ball to go off of. From your perspective, Christian, any particular arms, maybe under the radar, or could be a top arm out of the bullpen that you see being a key contributor here in Game 6, potentially Game 7? Yeah, mine's going to be a little bit off the chart here because it's a starter, um, and it's Christian Javier is the bullpen arm that I'm going to look at because I think that Dusty Baker making that move to take him out of the game when he did um, – in game four, you save him for that bullpen potential down the road. Um, if, is he going to be available in game six? That, that'll be tough because he threw 97 pitches on Wednesday night. So moving after th- a couple days rest, I think it makes it a little tricky to bring him in in game six unless you really, really need to. But I think he'll definitely be available game seven. I expect that we're going to see McCullers get the start and try and go deeper into the game. Um, and then I think you turn it over to Javier right away. And I think that's going to be your key guy if it gets to that point. And then looking at the Phillies and their key arms, I think they just need to keep relying on the same guys that they have been, which is Alvarado and Sir Anthony Dominguez, who have overall done very well throughout this postseason. I know we saw Alvarado struggle a little bit tonight, but Thompson showed that he's going to be going to those guys earlier than later in the games if it's a close game and if they need to try and keep themselves in it to be able to pull it out. So those are the three arms that I think everybody needs to keep an eye out for coming into game six and a potential game seven. Perfect. And that leads us here into our last little segment here that we're going to discuss where we're talking about what Christian Javier and that bullpen accomplished in game four is simply amazing. And 
Of course, a lot of people don't look at that and go, this is amazing, wow, all these things. They're going to look to compare it to something. And the only other no-hitter, which is actually a perfect game in MLB history, was by Don Larson in 1956. Uh, He threw a perfect game. And Christian, I wanted to see if you can guess how many pitches this guy threw for his perfect game. Um, let's see. Well, and to clarify too, this is we're talking World Series, second no hitter in a World Series. Yes, thank you. Um, and I think, oh man, I don't even know how far off. How far off would I be if I were to guess 90, 96 pitches? Well, that's a that's a. I mean, I know you. I know you mentioned your takes earlier on your games. I I know you mentioned that, but this is a pretty. This is pretty damn good. Uh, actually, ninety seven pitches by Don Larson to pitch a perfect game. <sighs> and I think, if I'm not wrong, I think Christian Javier got taken out at either ninety seven or ninety eight, uh, which is just wild. But ninety seven. He got taken out at ninety seven. Ninety seven. Wow, wow. That is that's just weird. So. When looking at this, give me your honest take. Do you see it as the same as what Larson minus the the perfect game? Because honestly, in my opinion, what how Javier was pitching in Game Four gave me perfect game vibes. I honestly thought that when people were saying it's a no hitter, I initially was starting to look to see if it was a perfect game based on how well he was pitching. So let's say for for this particular segment, let's say Larson threw a no hitter, complete game, no hitter. Do you look at it as the same as what happened in Game Four uh, in in Philly? I do. I know that there's been a lot of discussion about this throughout this year because of a lot of pitchers getting pulled with a no-hitter and a couple of combined no-hitters that we saw through the year. And people saying, oh, it's not the same if it's not just the starter who goes the complete game. But at the end of the day, a no-hitter is a no-hitter. And I think it's equally as impressive if you have multiple guys that come in and do it because there's so much pressure on the bullpen coming out um, to make sure and keep that no-hitter intact that if they are able to keep it rolling and finish it out, I still think it's cool either way. And it's the same in the stat books with zero hits, whether it's one pitcher or three pitchers or four pitchers, however many it it is. Um, so, yeah, for me, I think it it carries the same weight. Yeah, and, and you look at the Phillies offense. I mean, it's just an outstanding lineup put together throughout the entire playoffs has just been an offensive powerhouse. So when I look at this, I see the the exact same Christian. Javier only had two walks. He walked Harper and Marsh. And walking Harper in this series and uh, has obviously not proven to be a bad move based on what has happened afterwards. So I don't in my opinion I agree with you where I'm like, you know what? It's a it's a it's a no-hitter. It's something that has only been accomplished one other time in history, borderline seventy years ago, and I just don't, I just don't foresee it being much of an argument. I, I, I again, Don Larson's perfect game is probably more impressive per se, but if we're looking at the matchups, I, in my opinion, there's better bats these days, and so I see this being more impressive in reference to today. But again, either way, 
just an amazing moment in baseball history. Just a wild world series. Just you're throwing everything at us, Houston and Philly. And man, you you guys are. I I, I really do hope this goes a game seven, Christian, because man, would that be special? And so, folks. Thank you so much for tuning in. This one ran a little bit longer than normal, but there was so much to touch on. And we're so excited about what has happened here in the playoffs so far. Just want to give a heads up. We're going to be looking to do uh, dropping a pod here next Tuesday or Wednesday as we'll be out of town uh, for the remaining of the week. So we won't have our original Friday podcast. That following week, we're going to give our predictions, uh, or excuse me, we'll give our predictions for uh, the awards, the MLB awards here coming up here on Tuesday or Wednesday whenever we drop the pod, um, along with being able to recap the World Series, hopefully after Game 7. And then that following week, we'll be able to review, recap the award winners, and we're going to make our two early predictions of what we see here in reference to free agency and who we have winning the World Series in 2023. Everyone, thank you so much for tuning in. Christian, anything else to add here before we sign off? Thanks, everybody, for listening, as always, and enjoy your weekends, and we will talk to you sometime early next week all right everyone enjoy game six potentially game seven here in houston here on the weekend have a wonderful rest of your week and thank you so much for tuning in